When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Good evening, wrestlers. This is Refs and Rules, the 5e DD podcast. We go through many 5e books and talk about various rules and haunted gameplay experience. I'm Nathan, the Dungeon Master or ex Dungeon Master of Riftwake. I'm Mitch, a player on Riftwake and a DD enthusiast. And I'm Remy, Dungeon Master and a player on the Riftwake podcast. And today's topic is, well, everything really. This is episode 200. Holy shit. Just thank you all so much for supporting us to the point where we're able to get to this point. 200. So with that in mind, we opened up our Discord and took a bunch of mini topics that we're going to be going through. And just by weird kind of cosmic luck, uh, Nathan happened to finish his basic training in military this weekend. So we no, were able quite, to steal yeah. him for... T- Shut up. Okay. <laughs> so we were able to steal him long enough to at least bring him in for this recording. So Nathan, good to have you back for one last episode. Yay! I say last because we are going to give him the hard boot as soon as I can legally get away with it. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were friends here. Look, we've already changed yeah, all the password. Coworkers, oh, no. maybe. Oh no! <laughs> Help! Help, guys! <laughs> I-, I think I've been bamboozled. Damn. All right. <laughs> so, with that in mind, does anyone have any preference of where on the Discord suggestion list to start? Well, let me nope. check it out. Have either of you actually read through the Discord suggestion list? Fuck no! I've been back uh, like <laughs> a day. I did at the start. <laughs> and it, it it doesn't discord's not telling me that it's uh got new comments so yeah doesn't mean i remember any of them uh, Ooh, slavery part two. Oh, let's see what else no bad nathan not <laughs> that not, not that list that. <laughs> uh, honestly okay let's just take it at the stop <laughs> at the top here uh first one coming from Dimmy. niche magic item sounds like fun couple items that are worth talking about but not that interesting bag of tricks bag of beans etc well maybe not bag of beans that's actually an interesting item okay so with that in mind are there any just magic items that are favorites of you guys that you just don't really see us able to do a full episode on but you want to mention so uh i don't know if you know this i am completely unaware of every single magic item so yeah <laughs> I never would have guessed. 
<laughs> I'm rapidly reminding why I have made the recent decision to boot you. Wait, wait, Remy, Remy. Jesus. We, we need to talk about this booting thing. It, it, it sounds like you're no, kicking me off the show. You know, hey Mitch, like... how about you? Uh, well, I, I was about to, when he said favorite, I was about to say deck many things, and then he said not a full episode, and I was like, ah, shit. <laughs> well, I got good news for you, Mitch. <laughs> See episode 195. Uh, any others? I know there's a lot of cool shit, mm-hmm. but at the same time, knowing you, you could probably do a full episode on anything I can think of. Well, just name them. Even if I don't, even if I do think that they're, I could add them to the list. Oh, let me take a look at some stuff here. You've already done an alchemy jug. Well, no, you didn't do a full episode, but we have talked about alchemy jug. <laughs> oh, man. Alchemy jug is a fun one. And mayonnaise. honestly, right. God damn. Fuck you in the mayonnaise. <laughs> <laughs> but but, it's so but good. wait, no, no, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good okay no. i do like mayonnaise on sandwiches i uh, love my mayonnaise <laughs> you know sometimes i just want to butter up with some mayonnaise uh, i hate guys sometimes <laughs> animated shield is cool animated shield that is a good one what because does it do? that one is one that i would say is probably not enough to do a full episode so yeah let's talk animated shield uh, do you want to start Mitch, or do you want me to just do my spiel? No, oh, I just do the spiel. That, that's <laughs> why we have you, Remy. Yes, that's Rem- true. <laughs> Animated shield, very rare, requires attunement. While holding the shield, you can speak a command word as a bonus action to cause it to animate. Leaps into the air and hovers in your space to protect you as if you were wielding it, leaving your hands free. The shield remains animated for a minute until you use a bonus action and the effect or until you're incapacitated or die, at which point the shield falls to the ground or into your hand if you have one free. So, yeah. Can you tell me what the big benefit of the animated shield is? It's a shield. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, so that does give you two AC, which is nice. (laughs) It's animated, which means, like, it it talks or something, right? Doesn't it block shit by itself? (sighs) Ah. Nice. Does it dance, Remy? Can it dance? <laughs> no, that's the dancing weapon. That's something else, which I'll talk about in a second. Because oh, that okay. is another one worth mentioning. Okay, the whole idea is the animated shield floats, so you don't need to hold it. So you can have a two-handed weapon. You can dual wield and still get the benefit Wait, of Remy, the shield. I, I have a question. Yeah, could you modify it? it for you. To, I was right. Could, could you modify it to and, and call it the cock blocker? I, I, I'm just interested Why? in that. Why? Because it would be funny. <laughs> you can name any magic item you want in your world. That is the benefit of being a DM. It sounds like an amazing magic item. You know? It just needs the right name. So, can either of you tell me the downside of the animated shield? Hmm. Is there a downside? There are two. There's a downside to everything. Uh, you can't hold it. Whoa. whoa, whoa. No, y- you can. Oh, y- you yeah. can? Oh. I mean, it stops working if you're unconscious. It, it blocks your vision. Whoa, if somebody squats in front of you, the shield covers them. So, yeah. Okay. It only lasts a minute. 
Is that what you're going for? <sighs> no, that's actually reasonable, because that is 10 rounds of combat in D&D, and even then, you could just do it again as another bonus action. So, minorly limited in terms of action economy, but once every 10 rounds, I would say it's a fair trade-off for that benefit. Yeah. So, the first downside is that it is a shield, but it's not... It has no plus to it. It gives you the usual plus two to AC, mm-hmm. but it's not actually a magic shield with a plus. So oh. D&D shields go up oh, to plus three, which would be a shield giving you a five AC Wait, boost. Rami, and this doesn't. Question. Can you Answer? use a shield with this shield? Generally, no. No! The rule in fifth edition is that Damn it. most magic items or just any effect does not stack with a like version of the same. By the way, does, does if it you have as a, a DM want to rule otherwise, you can choose to do that. Does it, does it have a? It does require attunement. Fuck! I was thinking, you know, I want to become the have shield. a bunch of them. Yeah, and then like I will, I will be like Magneto, but only shields, and then I will become <laughs> a ball of shields, and I will crush my enemies, and roll over them with disdain and impudence. So anyway. Downside number one is simply the fact that it does not grant any bonus to AC. So yes, it does give you the usual shield benefit of a plus two, but the fact that it does not have any additional plus is a bit unfortunate, especially when you consider downside number two, which is the fact that it is a very rare magic item. That is insane. So what? you're saying that, sucks, man. that, that a very rare magic item that requires attunement still only gives that base shield bonus to AC? Man, that, that is sucks. bullshit. No, the reason why it sucks is that it's such a standard, like, stupid arcade game booster. So, it's even cool. worse if you consider other magic items that exist, like the Badge of the Watch. So this is something out of Waterdeep Dragon Heist, but still just is a neat magical effect that I like. So this is a rare magic item that does require attunement, but it gives you a plus two bonus to AC if you aren't using a shield. So the same goddamn AC bonus for a rare magic item without needing to use a bonus action at all! It's nice to see that Remy's still, like, the same. Yeah, I am still an angry changed. and sad man. Yes, that does not change. Anyway, another one, like, there's a lot of neat common magic items that don't typically get used, but a lot of the time, a DM really should just kind of introduce common magic items earlier in a campaign, even if you are just kind of describing someone walking down the street. And just a fun magic item for that, the Cloak of Billowing. While wearing Ooh. this cloak, you can use a bonus action to make it billow dramatically. That's just fun. <laughs> that is it so has cool. No practical purpose. It has no mechanical benefits whatsoever. It's just style. And that's awesome. Hey man, always respect the man with style. Right? And and, and you know. Before I get too distracted going into mm-hmm. things, I do want to actually talk about some of the items that Dimmy mentioned. So the bag of tricks. This is one of those really underutilized magic items in the game. Are either of you familiar with this one? Actually, Nathan, you don't have to answer. Mitch, are you familiar with the bag of tricks at all? 
Is it I a think bag I've heard of it tricks, mentioned, Remy? But I'm going to go with no. Okay. So there's three varieties with different D8 lists to pull from, but what it does, uncommon magic item does not require attunement. Uh, this ordinary bag made from gray rust or tan cloth appears empty. Reaching inside the bag, however, reveals the presence of a small fuzzy object. The bag weighs half a pound. You can use an action to pull the fuzzy object from the bag and throw it up to 20 feet. When the object lands, it transforms into a creature. You determine by rolling a d8 and consult the table below. See the monster listing for creature stats. It vanishes at the next dawn or when it's reduced to zero hit points. The creature is friendly to you and your companions and it acts on your turn. You can use a bonus action to command how the creature moves and what action it takes on its next turn or to give it general orders such as to attack your enemies. In the absence of such orders, the creature acts in a fashion appropriate to its nature. Once three fuzzy objects have been pulled from the bag, the bag can't be used again until the next dawn. So I'm just going to focus just on the gray bag of tricks, because otherwise I'd be reading 24 animals, and that's a lot. So the D8 list in the gray bag of tricks. Weasel, giant rat, badger, boar, panther, Remy? giant badger, dire wolf, giant elk. Yes, Remy, Nathan. Remy, Remy, I have a question. Yes, Nathan. Uh, when... when, when, when... They turn into these animals. Are they fuzzy? Are they fuzzy animal? If you pick a fuzzy animal to be summoned, then yeah. Or, uh, sorry, if you roll a fuzzy animal to be summoned. That is utterly disappointing. I, I mean, actually, cause, actually, I think the gray bag of tricks does have all fuzzy animals. But as an example, the rust bag of tricks also has an owl. and So there are some creatures that don't have fur. But most of the creatures are indeed. Oh, I, I am incredibly disappointed. I expected there to be like cute felt animals appearing, and that would I be am kind of adorable. And honestly, that would be an interesting devastated. way. That'd be an interesting way to interpret how this I, item works. I, I, no, because and it like is what just was... life-sized felt versions of the creature. Yeah, no, That'd no, be I was pretty fucking cool. No, I was thinking more like a think of it as like a magic toy for kids. Mm -hmm. And they're like really small and and animated things that the kids can summon. No, no, these are fully combat capable. Yeah, I'm which is hilarious if you consider that an <laughs> argument can be made that these are better than some ranger companions, Holy which shit. is a whole separate debate. But can you see the crazy world perspective downside to this item? What? what? <laughs> okay. So let's say that you, so it says that you can use it three times and then it can't be used again until the next dawn. It does not say that you can only use one at a time. Really? So if you are particularly lucky, you might have two dire wolves and a giant elk able to fight alongside your party with an uncommon magic item. And again, they last until the next dawn or when they're reduced to zero hit points. So with a single uncommon item, you have three additional creatures that can aid your party, some of which are quite powerful. So the Direwolf, as an example, has 14 AC and 37 hit points. Now I don't so, see the problem. So if you have a low-level party, you imagine if you have a party with five bags of tricks and then just have 15 
permanent, for all intents and purposes, animal companions. I don't see the problem. This is something that breaks the game because, because you can start your economy. own economy. I, I, you know, Remy, I don't know what you're talking about. I think it's very good, you know? Like, no one's getting hurt. It's very safe, very fun. That is actually true. And that is one of the massive benefits of the item. You can use the bag of tricks to send in the animal to a dangerous situation. Send the summoned creature to set off traps. Send the summoned creature to scout. Send the summoned creature to do anything that you don't Ima- want to okay, do. Okay, let, let, let me try and sell it to, to, to the kids out there, yo. Oh um, dear, never say that again. I- imagine you have Gorge, but five of them. Y- yay. Three. Tr- three of them. Y- yay. <laughs> uh-huh. Yes, such yeah. a brilliant... And again, the fact, and again, this is an uncommon magic item that does not require attunement. So there is nothing by rules as written that if you have a world where you can buy magic items, this breaks a world quickly. Because again, even if you just have one of these, you can have three creatures at any given time. And even if you did roll poorly and just have like a weasel, a giant rat, and a boar, that still hits that your party isn't taken. On the bright side, though, that is something that could be massively beneficial if you have a small party. So if you're playing a game where you only have two PCs, allowing them access to a bag of tricks would actually be a very good thing for that particular situation. But in any high magic world, that gets troublesome. It, Remy, would, would I be right to say someone who, who uses this bag would be considered a, a, a tricky person? Honestly, the more common situation that I've seen with this item is that you just have it be a running joke in game that the person who makes use of it is confused for being a druid. Because if right. you do just like decide, like you kind of keep using it and using it, hoping to get the panther to come up because you really like big cats then you just are always seen with a panther at your side that follows your orders. Right. Yeah, it's easy to understand, to mistake that that person might be like a druid or a ranger or something. Nature. It's like, 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 Joe over here, he's the druid of the gang, and I'm like, guys, I I mean, it's been three years, but uh, I I never found the right time to say it, but actually, I... I'm just a guy with bag. I, I, you know, I, I actually can't find at all. I've just been hanging out with you guys. I, I didn't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> like honestly, the bag of tricks is just one of those ridiculously powerful, underappreciated magic items. Uncommon, no attunement, three creatures. So, yeah. Ah. Man. By the way, Remy, uh, yes. just something I need to mention, yo. Yes, stop saying We are, we are on the yo. first question. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> it's me. Everyone knew we were getting it to when we pulled up this idea. <laughs> okay, everyone be prepared for another two, three hours. Let's go. No, seriously, this is absolutely going to be the longest one because there's a lot of neat magic items. 
that I do just want to touch on. I do hope that number number 300 will be something as good as this. Anyways, let's move on. That's going to be a while from now. Anyway, uh, the other item, though, that was mentioned in the original question is the bag of beans. This one, beans. I don't know if I've ever actually seen used, but is another just kind of crazy one. So it has three D4 dry beans. Ew. And if you dump out the bag, then they just explode in a 10 foot radius requiring a DC 15 deck save or taking 5d4 fire damage with half on a success. On the other hand, if you take a bean out of the bag and plant it in dirt or sand and water it, yada yada, a minute later it will grow something from a D100 list. And there is some crazy shit on this list. So just I'm just going to pick a few because I again I don't want to take too much time just on magic items here. A treant sprouts. There's a 50% chance that it's chaotic evil and attacks. Hey, my friend. Or it could just be something, you know, less extreme like a campfire with blue flames springs forth and burns for 24 hours or until it's extinguished. Ooh. And just one that appeals to my heart. A hungry boulette burrows up and attacks. I love boulettes. They're just a magic. They're a creature that I just do particularly enjoy. Good old land shark. <sighs> the fuck? A pyramid with a 60 foot square base bursts upward. Inside is a sarcophagus containing a mummy lord. The pyramid is treated as the mummy lord's lair, and its sarcophagus con contains treasure of the GM's choice. That's fucking insane! A goddamn mummy lord? That is a CR-15 creature. That is bullshit. That is the kind of thing that, just with some bad luck, that could very easily be a TPK. Hey guys. Jesus Christ. I know this may sound weird, but, uh... I think I might might have summoned a mummy lord, so uh, I think we all did. Yeah. Ugh. I I think this is it, guys. Uh, it's been fun. <laughs> and, of course, it also has some kind of odd potential effects. A geyser erupts and spouts water, beer, berry juice, tea, vinegar, wine, or oil, GM's oh. choice. Hey, 30 hey, feet Remy. in the air for 1d12 rounds. Yes, Why Nathan. not all at once, together? You do you, Nathan. You do you. Yeah, I mean, that berry juice is never going to come out of your clothes. No, that stuff stains. Uh, oh, also, sorry, one thing that I did skip over the bag of beans is a rare magic item that does not require a turn. So one thing that is worth mentioning with the bag of beans, though, there is a finite number. I said at the start, there's 3d4 beans, and that's that. There is no text that says that the bag refills. So once you do use up that quantity of beans, that's that. So at least it's not a permanent headache like the bag of tricks. So honestly, I talk a lot about magic items, but I would be doing everyone a disservice if I didn't mention this last one. Sovereign Glue. This is a legendary wondrous item and is one of the ones that has probably caused a not inconsiderable 
amount of DMs to bang their heads against the wall. Ah. So this is something that forms a permanent adhesive bond between any two objects. Uh, must be stored in a jar or flask that's been coated inside with oil of slipperiness. When found, it contains 1d6 plus 1 ounces. One ounce covers one square foot surface. It takes one minute to set. Once it has done so, the bond it creates can be broken only by the application of universal solvent, oil of etherealness, or a wish spell. So you can permanently glue anything together with Sovereign Glue. And this is, like I said, players have come up with some creative shit with Sovereign Glue over the years, and also just been absolute assholes in a lot of ways over the years. Put the glue inside someone's underwear. They're... Uh, Honestly, actually, no. On second, I'm Wait, not going to go down the list and give more ideas. No. Remy, 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 I'm going to question, you know? Yeah. Would you say that such a person would have been put in a rather sticky situation? Sticky situation? <laughs> no! No, I, I, I would not I, say that. I had to do it, you know? You didn't. You definitely didn't. No, I did, you know. It was right there. I had, I had to take it. <laughs> Mitch, okay, guys, I appreciate I'm back. you. I don't say that often enough. <laughs> what does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. America. We are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Alright, anyway, let's just move on away from magic items, finally, to some other thing on this list. All right, from Riedel? Riedel? I don't remember how they pronounce their name. Ba, ba, ba. The use of factions and clans in game. So we did talk a little bit about guilds, I believe, at some point, but talking more about factions and clans is definitely a topic that is on the list to do a full episode at some point in the future, so we will get uh, he does, however, or they, rather, do have a uh, another one here, grappling. The dynamics of grappling of two characters in a game and how one might use it in their game. How the fuck does grapple work in 5th edition? Do I, how familiar are you guys with grapple rules? Uh, Honestly, I know they used it in a podcast recently and were complaining about how many different rules there were about it. So... It's really not quite that bad, but for some reason, this is just a blind spot 
for a lot of fifth edition D&D players. This is actually in the player's handbook, where in the combat chapter, it describes how a grapple actually works. When you want to grab a creature or wrestle with it, you use the attack action to make a special melee attack, a grapple. If you're able to make multiple attacks with the attack action, the attack replaces one of them. The target of your grapple must be no more than one size larger than you and must be within your reach. Using at least one free hand, you try to seize the target by making a grapple check instead of an attack roll. And a strength athletics check contested by the target's athletics or acrobatics check. The target chooses the ability to use. You succeed automatically if the target is incapacitated. If you succeed, you subject the target to the grappled condition. The condition specifies the things that end it, and you can release the target whenever you like, no action required. So, as a quick refresher, the grappled condition. A grappled creature's speed becomes zero, and it can't benefit from any bonus to its speed. The condition ends if the grappler is incapacitated. The condition also ends if an effect removes the grappled creature from the reach of the grappler or grappling effect, such as when a creature is hurled away by the Thunder Wave spell. Okay, so that makes sense. All that grappling does is reduce their speed to zero. It has no effect on their ability to attack, their ability to defend, nothing. All it does is make them unable to move. Restrained is the more effective version that does have effects on other things. But all that grappling does, speed zero, that's it. And they are just held until they let go or are pushed away. So any form of push will also remove someone from being grappled, whether the target of the push is the grappler or the grapplee. So on that note, you can also try to escape a grapple using your action. So you have to make an athletics or acrobatics check contested by the grappler's athletic check. So again, the person who is being held in the grapple can choose athletics or acrobatics but it is always an athletic check by the one doing the grappling. Always. So, um, Remy? Yes? I, you know, may or may not have turned off my brain and have absolutely no idea what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> okay. My character wants to stop Mitch's character from running away. Okay. To do that, I want to hold him still. Hold him tight, yes. Yes. The action in D&D terminology to do that is called a grapple. It is yes. where one character holds on to another character to stop them from moving. Yes, Remy. So I want to stop him. So okay. I roll an athletics check. Ooh. That is compared against the athletics or acrobatics check for Mitch's character to see if he is able to break my grip or evade my grip, depending on which skill he wants to use to stop me. If my athletics check is higher, I grab onto him and he cannot move. 
Ooh. If his check is higher than my check, then I do not grab him, and he can do whatever he wants on his turn. That's okay, that it. makes sense. Makes Even sense. when I am holding him, he can still try to attack me. He can still try to spell or stab or whatever his character is able to do to harm me. If I die, I am no longer holding him. If I get pushed, I am no longer holding him. If he is pushed, he is no longer held by me. That's all it takes. It is just an athletics check versus athletics or acrobatics. However, there is a little bit more options available. When I'm holding Mitch, maybe I want to try to drag him inside to a building. So when you move, you can drag or carry the grappled creature with you, but your speed is halved unless the creature is two or more sizes smaller than you. So I don't need to make any kind of additional check. I just can only move at half speed unless they are two sizes smaller. Okay. So yeah, so if I have successfully grappled a cat, I can just carry it inside. If I am trying to drag a human, then I can only move at half speed. That makes sense. Now, the last thing related to grapple is a shove. So shoving a creature, using the attack action, you can make a special melee attack to shove a creature, either to not get prone or push it away from you. If you are able to make multiple attacks with the attack action, this attack replaces one of them. The target must be no more than one size larger than you and must be within your reach. Instead of making an attack roll, you make an athletics check opposed by their athletics or acrobatics check. Again, the same. You succeed automatically if the target is incapacitated. If you succeed, you either knock the target prone or push it up to five feet away from you. So can you name any situations where a shove might be a useful thing to do. Fighting on a cliff. Fighting on a cliff. Fuck yeah. Oh, we're that doing the, the Sherlock Holmes thing where, where you grapple someone and fall off and die dramatically. Until he doesn't. Until you don't. Right. <laughs> but seriously, though, there are a lot of situations where good guys or bad guys try to just have a person stand in the doorway to stop other people from running. And yet, it is incredibly rarely done to actually use a shove to try to get someone out of the doorway. Or another thing, that is a fantastically useful option when you're trying to consider opportunity attacks. Like, Ooh. let's say Mitch has the sentinel feet. So I know that if I tried to run away, that he would just stab me and prevent me from moving. So I would be fucked. So in that case, I know that I can't kill him in this turn. So what I might do instead then is to try to shove him away. So if I do succeed in having my athletic check higher than his athletics or acrobatics, then I would successfully shove him. And then once he, I am no longer in his reach, I am free to run the fuck away without worrying about his sentinel feet stopping. You know, guys, 
the Remy's basically Batman. He's always planning for when the next player will fight him. <laughs> uh, no, Batman's not paranoid enough. He doesn't have enough contingency plans. <laughs> Proper planning prevents poor performance. It's poor performance. Yes, yes it is. By failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. Prepare to fail. Yes. Good motives to live by. <laughs> However, there is one additional detail that I need to point out in regards to both grapples and shoves. Both of those do specify that if you can make multiple attacks, it only replaces one. So let's say that you have a fifth level fighter who has extra attack. This would mean then that you could use the shove to potentially knock them prone and then make your second attack with advantage. And every other ally then who tries to just surround them in melee would get advantage against the now prone enemy. There is a lot of strategy possible with these actions that just doesn't happen in a lot of D&D games. Because most people just don't use other actions except for attack. And yet, this is a other option with attacking that a lot of people just don't know they can do. Again, this is not feet restricted. This is not training restricted. This is not class restricted. A wizard can try to shove someone. It may not go great for them because they're not likely to have a great athletic score, but they can do that. They can take this action to try to shove someone away or try to knock someone prone. Any character, good and bad, PC or NPC, creature could do this. There's nothing that says it has to be a human. You could use this with something like wolves. Because, again, wolves have additional abilities when attacking a prone enemy. So if you do have, you know, some kind of, you know, dire wolf or just any regular wolf, it would not be a bad idea to have one of them to try to knock an enemy prone so that all the other wolves can just flank and, well, try to eat it. So, again, grapple, shove, all it boils down to. Athletics versus athletics or acrobatics. The person being grappled cannot move. They can still attack. They can still do everything else except move. They can use their action to try to break out, which just repeats the previous check of athletics or acrobatics versus the original versus a new athletics check. <sighs> Does that make sense? No, not at all, but could you cool. could you go over it again? Yeah. Yes. Yes, I can. <laughs> when you want to. Gra- <laughs> no, I am not going to. You can listen to the fucking episode if you need me to if you need to hear it. Yeah. All right. But again. This is what, like, it's fucking weird. This is, like, a fucking Mandela effect, honestly, that it just does not stick in people's brains. Remy, you know, someday I think you'll be teaching classes in grappling. I think you have the the knowledge of it to get a certification. What are you trying to say? I don't know. I need some help, (laughs) Remy. Help me. (laughs) I'm sorry, Nathan. I don't think that my abilities are able to give you the help that you need. 
Uh, <laughs> I know D&D, not psychiatry or medicine. I am a deeply broken man. In any case, let us continue. (laughs) (sighs) Sorry, I need to just take a breath after that one. Fucking hell. What's next? It's grappling just it's it's just so goddamn weird to me that like it's so hot to grapple. Everyone forgets how that works. It's just so hot to grapple. Restrained is different. Grapple, easy. Restrain, hard. Right. That's the much more troublesome effect. All right, let's see. What anyway? What else have we got on this list? Ba, ba, ba. Touching. Ooh, okay, here's another one from Dimmy. Actually, how items can influence the world. Uh, you've touched on this before, but let's say you, the DM, really want to insert the Lordly Scepter or similar legendary item into a dungeon. So you do. Then the PCs want to use the items, and there's almost zero implications. I guess out of that, I'm trying to get at lore creating and building an organic world. Organic. All right. That's, so, Nathan, this is something you have a rather considerable amount of experience with, actually. Tell me oh, about I the didn't. process of introducing powerful magic items into a D&D world. So, uh, step one, inserting powerful magic items. Well, there's really two ways to go about it. First one being stupid and listening to what Remy says. Number two. Uh, I'm sorry? <laughs> number two. The other way is that... Here's the thing. When creating a magic item, you have to think about... Uh, generally, there's two ways about actually creating a magic item with a solid foundation in the world. Um. The way that I tend to do most of mine is that you create a position where somebody has a certain sort of ability or a certain sort of nature to it or they have a certain power to that seed. And then you make that power, instead of being something that's passed down through a bloodline, what? which what you can do... What are you talking about? No, because he's talking about organic world building. Items. Item, yeah, exactly. Instead of something that is passed down through a bloodline, you have it be an item that can be passed around, that can be given, right? And this basically allows you to have it exist, and it's an item with this great power rather that can be taken away. And then you sell it for like eight gold, and then... Uh, and you then know, you have the PC kill everything. Everything. Exactly. So someday there'll be some PC that runs around Riftway killing all the big powerful people, taking their shit. Becoming, With trips. Yeah, and, and then collecting them all and becoming the demon lord. And that's how we get our anime fantasy plotline. <laughs> Mitch, do you want to take a shot? Because I need to take some aspirin after that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but it sounded like I had a Stroke or something, listening. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, fuck. Okay. Let me try to screw my head back on. Ugh. <laughs> uh. All right. The easiest way to just plan out the influence of magic items in a world is to just imagine the question 
what would the players do with this magic item? So there's a lot of things that you as a DM might want to do and just think like, oh, like, yeah, I have this real badass NPC that I'm making. It's going to be this awesome boss battle. And he's got this awesome magic weapon. Yes. It's a super enchanted axe Unstoppable. that deals. Five yeah, it, it, it just deals. Yeah, it, oh, it deals like let's just say oh, 2D12. just an extra weapon die. Exactly. So it exactly. deals two d twelve weapon damage. Yes. And I later give the character the ability to throw the magic item, yeah, just so that yeah. he has a ranged option as well. Yeah, you know, it makes sense. And uh, yeah, and that's totally seems legit. <laughs> You know? Uh-huh. Like, something honestly, I would do. Like, honestly, that amount of power is not that out there. The question becomes of how accessible such a magic item is. Incredibly as accessible. as a reminder, there is the existing magic item, you know, the Flame Tongue Greatsword. And that is something that can deal an additional... 2d6 fire damage on top of the regular greatswords 2d6 slashing. So together, that is a magic item that is canon, a rare magic item that deals 4d6 plus strength damage. So having a weapon that deals 2d12, not that out there. On the other hand, in the hands of a paladin, that is something that can get a bit silly. How On is the other, silly, other hand, Ray? having a magic item like that is pretty powerful. So the question is, how much should it cost for such a magic item? So it is rare, which by the book means 501 to 5,000 gold. So if this is an item that you're selling and not something that is simply found in a tomb somewhere, well... 600 might be a smidge low for such an item. So having it be a couple thousand would likely be a little bit more reasonable because then you wouldn't have to worry quite as much about large amounts of individuals in the world having comparably powerful items. Because again, unless you are playing in a low magic world where there aren't any significant wait, amount wait, of adventurers... Remy. Yes. Okay. Let me see. I think I misread the question. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. I might have yeah. combined the two questions into one question. I, I think you did. Yeah, that that's why it was weird. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, that's why it was weird. Uh-huh. Yeah, that that might be it. I, I missed out the uh out of, I guess I guess out of that, you know, that that bit where it separates the two questions. Yeah, I might have missed that. Right. Anyway. <laughs> so, yes, you can have OP things in your world. Because, again, just having something that deals two weapon damage is powerful, but is something that I would say is reasonable to end up in a PC's hands one day. Yeah. Is that something that you should have at, like, level three or four? Absolutely. Maybe not. Maybe. But... Probably not. Okay, Remy, but it, in my it defense... It just depends on the world you're trying to build. In my if defense, you want to have a high magic world, defense, you can do that without any issue. In my yes, defense, Nathan? I would say that it, it was very cool 
And, and Gorif was very happy. <laughs> you know what? I'll actually give that to you. So, there are DMs who just go by rule of cool. If you just want to do a thing because it'd be fucking awesome, that can be a valid reason to do with it. If that is the style of game that you're playing, the world style that you are playing in, that's okay. All that I'll say about that is that it does require thought and some amount of understanding, hopefully, of the type of world that you are playing. So, yeah, yeah, real quick, you know, just wanted to add it. You know, Light Splinter is pretty legendary in the Riftwing universe, I have to say. Everyone knows about it. It's very cool. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm done. I, 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 yeah. So, on that note, just more questions about how to build an organic world is very much a topic that does interest me. So if there are other questions that you listening to this at home want me to talk more at length about, send them in. We're always reading emails on Discord. I am always willing to talk more D&D. So let's just do one last uh, quick one to wrap up with. From, from Caden, the virtues <laughs> of Gorif Rumnaheim. Yeah. None. I got this, guys. Thanks for listening to episode 200 of Ristocruise. <laughs> we appreciate you guys sticking with us for this long. Nathan, thank you for coming back to join us for episode 200. Thanks for listening to this episode of Riffs and Rules. Please leave us a review and give us five stars on iTunes. Also, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. Tiers start as low as a dollar, and even that much really helps us out. Supporters get benefits such as behind-the-scenes content, early access to episodes, access to a monthly hangout where you'll be able to chat with the cast, and even input on Rifts and Rules topics. Find us on social media on Twitter, at Riftwake Podcast, on Facebook as Riftwake, and you can send us an email, riftsandrules at gmail.com. That's riftsandrules at gmail.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.